Hello, everyone. It's Sunday, April the 16th, 2006, and this is Treks and Sci-Fi show number 42. Yes, 42 for uh, it's Easter Sunday morning uh, where I'm at. Uh, happy Easter to everyone if you celebrate that, or just happy Sunday. Yeah, we got a really good show, I think, this week. Uh, Going to talk about a really fun Star Trek episode and a few other things, so let's get to it. Treks in Sci-Fi. The loser, along with his ship, shall be destroyed in the interests of peace. I'm engaged in personal combat with a creature apparently called a Gorn. No, I won't kill him. Do you hear? Well, hello there, and welcome to the show. This is Trex in Sci-Fi, and like I said, this is Rico. The show this week is going to be, I think, a real good one. Got a lot of good things to talk about, some new things to to, uh, discuss, so uh, I'm just going to get right into it. Uh, uh, First, though, of course, I'd like to welcome everyone to the show. If you're new or if you're a long-time listener, welcome to the show again. The main things, uh, first I'd like to talk about just some general announcements before we get into uh, the heart of the show. The main thing, the first thing that I'd like to say is that I've made some upgrades to the website uh, at treksf.com over the past few days. I had some uh, had some time to work on this. I uh, had Friday off work, and I found this thing called SitePal, which basically you it allows you to create these little animated characters put them on your website and have them speak different things. Uh, you can even record audio and have them speak it back uh, using different animated characters that you choose. It's it's a pretty neat little thing, and uh, I'd like to get some feedback. Uh, my email again is treksf at gmail.com. Let me know what you guys think about this. There's about three or four of them across the website now on the main page in the podcast notes section and in uh, the the, the sci-fi news area yes there's another one there so that's three oh then i have another one that i did where it's about me if you go to that link you can see it there so let me know what you guys think about those things if you think they help the site make it kind of interesting or if it's just kind of flame and you don't care about it <laughs> just let me know I'm just uh still kind of waking up here this morning so trying to get into the swing of doing the podcast i'd like to get this uh edited and uploaded uh, early this afternoon and got a few other things going on for um, Easter Sunday here. So a couple other things I want to announce or talk about. I also did some other things on the website in the uh, podcast section. On the, I use WordPress, which is a blogger-type tool, to put podcast notes for each, um, uh, each show that I do. And I upgraded to their new version, which is like 2.01 or something like that. And it took me, it's pulling my hair out almost literally yesterday, trying to upgrade that. I, I tried to install 2.0 and then up, you know, import my old files to it. Anyway, to make a long story short, three or four hours later, I finally got the problem licked. But the neat thing about the new WordPress, it's a little add-on for, they have this plug-in thing, which is like uh, Yahoo Widgets which allows you to create these little, um, I guess, different widgets and tools that you can put in the sidebar on the podcast notes, a calendar. I was able to include a little SitePal video there. Uh, You can put a lot of other little things, links, of course. Um, You can even have uh, random Apple movie trailers. 
uh, the posters show up, which will link you to a the trailer site. Lots of lots of cool little widgets in you know used with this uh, WordPress program, which I'm going to still be fiddling with. Oh, I'm sure for the next few weeks. But uh, you guys, let me know what you guys think about that. Also, uh, it's um, really pretty easy to use once you get it all installed. To, to add new widgets to it, you just upload the little widget to your appropriate directory on the. Uh, server your web host and then you just configure it and you're good to go so let me know what you guys think and what you think of the uh the new layout there got uh just a couple last two little last things i want to announce i'm going to put links up but i um there's a really cool website called sevtrek i don't have the exact url in front of me it's an australian based uh, web comic that does a lot of uh star trek type funny uh comics. Some of people may have seen these over the years. He also does other uh, comics based on uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, all the different Star Trek series, movies, uh, the X-Files. I will link it up in the podcast notes. He also has a neat little thing, though. If you subscribe for the year, which is really pretty cheap, I think it was $15, he'll draw you a, uh, a little caricature. You send him a photo of yourself, and he'll draw you a caricature of what you look like in, a, in any kind of sci-fi uniform or garb that you'd like. And I had him do one for myself, which I'll also post in the podcast notes, I think. It's also on the forums. I'm using it as my avatar now. I, I had him do a caricature of myself in a blue old original series uniform, uh, which is you know one of my favorite uh, looks and series, of course. Anyway, so check his site out. He really does some good stuff. The neat thing that he does is he posts these comics and then has a period of time which allow the the people that read them to create kind of the final punchline. He creates a situation in a comic and then he gets entries and people vote on them. So it's kind of a nice interactive way to create a webcomic, I think. Kind of a different, different take on things and uh, I really like what he does there. So again, I'll link it in the podcast notes for this week. Check them out, Sevtrek. Oh, and just the last thing I was going to mention uh, before we get into a couple of emails and then the uh, main Star Trek episode for the week, which is going to be Arena, the, the classic tale of Kirk versus the Gorn. I just uh, finished watching up finally Dark Kingdom, which was a sci-fi miniseries four-hour show that was on at the end of March. Last night I finished it up. It was not, not too bad, actually, for the sci-fi channel. Uh, I think they did a pretty good job with it. Uh, they had some better writers on this story. They kept it pretty serious, and the you know the acting you know they had uh, Christana Loken who seems to be you know becoming the the actress you know that's doing all these sword and sorcery things. She did Blood Rain, she's doing the Dungeon Siege movie, she was in Terminator Three with Arnold, um, but she was one of the main characters. There was a new guy in there who kind of reminded me of an Ar- Arnold in the early days, not quite as beefed up, but. Uh, I'm not sure what country he's from. His first name is Benno, B-E-N-N-O. I forget what his last name was. But anyway, to make a long story short, I was entertained. I mean, there's a, a dragon being slayed in the movie. There's some cool uh, scenes. Uh, wherever they filmed it, I'm not sure where they filmed it, but they, it looked fairly exotic. And it was it was a good time. I, I recommend it. I think the DVD is out, although the DVD, I heard, they cut some scenes out from the miniseries that was shown on Sci-Fi. So... If you get the Sci-Fi Channel, just just keep an eye out for it. They tend to repeat things quite a bit. But Dark Kingdom, I'd recommend it. It's it's definitely a cut above most of their movies and and shows that they put on. Not shows, I should say, not like Galactica or Stargate, but uh, the Saturday Night Movie 
film fest that sci-fi tends to do is is not really the best and we've talked about that before but check out dark kingdom i i think you'll like it incoming transmission captain now let's get into uh let's get into the email uh, i've not talked about email i think in a couple of weeks so we got a few things to go through uh one I did a show a few weeks ago, uh, Heart of Glory, a Klingon episode, and I talked about as my collectible was this Klingon dagger, and Kaplesh sent me an email. He's emailed me before. Uh, he says, you were doing so well on the podcast, except for when, I, when it came time to, to come up with a name for the Klingon dagger, which I had uh, not either recalled or hadn't looked up before I did the show. But the uh, the dagger is called a, a, I'm not going to say this correctly. It's like D apostrophe K Doc Tah T A H G. Maybe I said that Doc Tah. Anyway, that's the name of the Klingon dagger uh, that I featured on that. I think it was podcast 39 from a few weeks ago. So thanks for that uh, email, Kaplesh. I got another uh, email here. This is from. Avery, Avery Draper, he's emailed, I think, before to the show. He says, uh, Hello, Rico. I've listened and enjoyed your podcast from the get-go and had to share some photos with you. In 2004, my best friend, Wynn, Wynn, I think, a major TOS fan, and I did a LA, Vegas, LA trip for several days in May, mostly visiting Star Trek film sites. Paramount Pictures was still closed to the public, though they had done a short Voyager walkthrough at one point years back. Or he had done. Oh, that's cool. Um, the Vegas Star Trek stuff is a must in the L.A. movie scene. But the next to the last day, we got we got our hungover bodies out of bed fairly early and headed out to Vasquez Rocks, where many a Hollywood film and TV show has been shot. I cannot tell you the feeling I got driving over the hill and seeing The Rocks. The We spent the next two hours tracking every single shot we could think of from the series Arena episode, uh, Friday's Child, and surely the alternative factor and some others all had some shots there. But we were really thrilled when the local park ranger helped us with this shot, which he took some pictures and emailed these to me. I'll, I'll post them up in the in the notes and probably on the forums also. Uh, very informative man, the park ranger, as well. He could name all the films and TV stars who had visited and work, worked in the area. He'd taken some screen grabs with him, and with the ranger's help, they transported Wynn and myself back to 1966, or the 23rd century if you prefer. All that was missing was the dead tree that had long ago been removed or stolen or just dug up and taken back to the studio. The entire the entire time at Vasquez Rocks was a great trek moment for us, and I hope every fan who can will make the trek to the rocks and have a little fun like we did. He says he did a little Photoshop work to brighten it up, brighten up the photo and remove some of the cars with a Boy Scout troop around them. Keep on trekking, Avery. Hey, Avery, uh, really great uh, email there. I really appreciate it, and your your photo is, is dead on. I mean, I'll have a, a comparison. I'll try to put that in the notes also of uh, Kirk fighting the Gorn in the episode I'm going to talk about here in a couple minutes in, from the episode Arena. And these Vasquez rocks in California, they're, um, they're like he said in the email, they're really quite a famous location shoot for for both Star Trek, uh, the original series, and a lot of other movies and TV shows. Although I think they've... I don't know. I haven't seen it show up in movies and TV in recent days. I mean, I, I think location shooting, maybe for movies a little bit, but definitely for TV shows, it's, it's really been eliminated, which is kind of a shame. You, you, you kind of get a special feeling when you when you see TV and movies on location, and then you end up uh, being able to visit those spots. I know um, 
on this prop forum that I visit quite a bit, uh, Prop Replica Forum, there's a guy, um, his name's Matt, on the forum, and he does a lot of traveling around the world, and lately he was in Australia, where they did a lot of filming for the Matrix movies, and he's been posting some photos there of different scenes he's seen with, uh, especially from the first Matrix film, with uh, Neo uh, in different areas of of a sort of a city area, and showing these, I think it was in around Melbourne, if I remember correct, but... Yeah, it's really neat when you see and find these locations that they've used in TV and movies. So I really, really appreciate the letter, Avery. Thanks a lot for the photos as well. All right, I think I've uh, babbled on about uh, other things. I had a couple little other emails, an audio, a long audio with a Scotty poem that someone was kind to send in. I'm going to have to save that to another uh, show, probably maybe the midweek show, because it's rather long. So I haven't forgotten about you, but and I'll get to that. But now we're going to have to get into the Star Trek episode for the week, which is, of course, I've mentioned it a few times, and Avery, uh, from his email, we talked about it there. It's the episode Arena. This is from the first season of Star Trek, the original series again, and it is a, a, a quite a classic tale. This is the one where Kirk fights the lizard guy. Yeah, this is where Kirk fights the Gorn out on the rocks. You know, he creates the, uh, the gunpowder and blows you know some diamonds at the gorn and all that good stuff so that's what we're going to be talking about here let me get the uh, promo played for you for the episode and then we'll come back and talk more captain's log stardate 3045.6 the enterprise has responded to a call from Cestus 3 on landing we have discovered that the outpost has been destroyed how can you explain a massacre like that You must make certain that the alien vessel never reaches its home base. I intend to. Firing pieces, Captain. What about the Captain? If I could help him, I would. I cannot. We destroyed invaders. As I shall destroy you. Okay, so there we have the promo for the episode, Star Trek episode, Arena. This again was a first season episode. It was number 19 in production order for Star Trek. So it was, you know, relatively established with the characters by this point. Um, the main thrust of this tale, of course, is this outpost Cestus Three has been destroyed, and the um, this new alien race called the Gorn we meet up with and, and discover they're responsible. But um, anyway, let's let's talk about some of the background here. One, it was um, this is from a story by uh, a good science fiction author called Frederick. His name is Frederick L. Brown. That um, arena, the short there's a short story out there which you can find. If you uh, look for some of his books uh, through Amazon or other places, I've read the original tale, and it's it's pretty interesting how, how similar it is. They just uh, obviously took a uh, man versus alien situation like this, uh, where it's sort of in an arena a setting, not really literally like a Roman arena, but the idea is that you'd have the two captains fight it out, and the victor would go to the victor would go the spoils, so to speak. That they wouldn't let the ships fight out the battle, but the captains would or the leaders would, and that would re- result in, or the results then would would settle the 
you know, dispute, which, you know, that's got a lot of merit to that idea. You know, you could even use that in modern times. I think we need more dueling. Anyway, the thing I wanted to mention about this, though, the another sci-fi series of the 1960s, The Outer Limits, also did a, a take on this called uh, Fun and Games. They also sort of do it, did a, sort of a similar idea with this with a movie from... I guess it was in the 80s, I believe, with uh, Dennis Quaid and Lou Gossett Jr. called Enemy Mine, where there was an alien and a human stranded on a planet, and they basically kind of fight at first, but they eventually have to work together. You know, it's it's a similar tale. There are definitely differences there, but a very similar tale. So this um, story by Frederick Brown, Star Trek purchased, and Gene Kuhn, which was one of the producers of Star Trek, wrote it for... um, in a script form that would fit with the Enterprise crew, of course, and and it fit like a glove, really. You have an outpost that's messed up and destroyed that the Enterprise gets there a little too late. You realize they're not perfect. They don't always save the day. And there's a lot of good location shooting, like I've already talked about with uh, within this episode. Yeah, the uh, opening scene where you find Cestus III destroyed when, when Kirk and his landing party beamed down was filmed at uh, the Paramount Ranch in... Agora, California, and you know they they also went out obviously like I said earlier to Vasquez Rocks and did a lot of the location shooting there with the Gorn fighting with Kirk and all. So so a lot of good good different things here. You know that was one of my one of my things I really enjoyed about the original Star Trek series. Another one of many things is the the fact that they visited a lot of different strange new worlds and they they went on a lot of location shoots and you got to see a lot of places that were. Well, for people in California, it might be kind of familiar, but for most of the world, you wouldn't recognize. And, and you know, they went down and, and visited different cultures. One of the things, even though I'm a pretty big Next Gen, Next Generation fan also, but I just kind of always had felt that I wish they got off the ship more. I mean, there were just so many episodes where they were stuck on the Enterprise. And, and that, you know, there were still a lot of good episodes in there, but... I, I really enjoyed when they got off the ship and did some things. And you can see in the early Next Generation episodes, they did that a little bit more than they did later on. Uh, it's a budget th- budget thing. You know, it does cost a lot more money to go out on location shoots than just being, you know, having everyone show up to the sets for the day and then, you know, speak their dialogue and go home. But uh, that's getting off on a, a tangent, which I, which I tend to do. Hey, let's play some audio from the episode. This is early in the episode uh, when Kirk and the landing party are down in Cestus 3 and discovering what had happened to the outpost. So listen to this. Full alert. Tricorder readings, Mr. Spock. Life detection. Those messages we got, Captain. The one directing us here yesterday. Faked. All this happened several days ago. Lang, over there. Look for survivors. Kalowitz, that way. Hurley, stick with me. Captain. Impulses that direction. Very weak, possibly a survivor. Come on, Bones. Captain's log, stardate 3045.6. The Enterprise has responded to a call from Earth Observation Outpost on Cestus 3. On landing, we have discovered that the outpost has been destroyed. Captain, over there! So, yeah, the uh, the location there, the, the outpost, is, is really cool. You, you know, they used it, like I said, this Paramount Ranch to film some of that in, and it really looks devastated. They, they really did a good job. They find uh, an injured guy there, uh, get him back up to the Enterprise eventually. The the one thing I was going to say with this scene is is one of the classic things in Star Trek happens in this early scene in the episode where a red shirt, I was watching it again, recording some of the audio this morning. It's funny, the, there are a couple of people that you don't really know very well 
in the landing party with blue shirts, but the red shirt Kirk decides to keep by his side. He sends the other guys out scouting, and the um, the red shirt guy is the guy that first buys it on uh, on Cestus Three. He's the one that first gets killed uh, for the landing party. The red shirt, not the blue shirt, but the red shirt gets killed. So I thought that was kind of uh, I couldn't remember if that was the case, but one of the uh, Gorn weapons takes him out. So one red shirt down in this episode. Uh, let's uh, actually there are two two uh, crewmen die there on the landing party, but I think the other one there were two blue shirts with one red shirt, and the red shirt dies and one blue shirt. So, so there's your total for this week. Let's uh, let's move along now. They they obviously get their way off Cestus three. The um, the the neat thing they use there, which is a really cool little plot. Um, excuse me, blah, blah, blah. there uh, it's my weekly uh, tongue tied section of the podcast. There you go. Now you guys can rest easy. I've done it. Uh, they they have this little grenade launcher thing that Kirk finds in a building, and they blast uh, the Gorns with one of these little egg shaped weapons. And it's it's pretty neat little uh, thing. You don't. It's a prop you don't see ever again. I don't think, but it does a pretty effective job. It's like sort of like a mini photon torpedo that shoots out there, and they even have the same sound effect for that. So that gets them uh, enough time to get back to the Enterprise, get off, and, and chase after the Gorn ship, which they don't even really know that it's a Gorn ship at that time. That happens later on. But there's a good scene with Kirk and Spock. Uh, they always have these sort of sort of discussions in his quarters about what the right thing and the wrong thing to do. And this one uh, has a good one about what Kirk plans on doing to these aliens that have wiped out this colony uh, on the outpost. So listen to this. The Enterprise is the only protection in this section of the Federation. Destroy the Enterprise, and everything is wide open. You will do to invasion, Captain. Yet positive proof has... I have all the proof I need on Cestus III. Not necessarily, sir. Several possible explanations come... How can you explain a massacre like that? No, Mr. Spock. The threat is clear and immediate. Invasion. Very well, then. If that's the case, you must make certain that the alien vessel never reaches its home base. I intend to. If we can keep them in the dark as to our strength, they'll never dare move against us. Captain to Helmsman. Sulu here, sir. Is the alien still making warp five? Affirmative, sir. Initiate warp six. Affirmative, sir. Overtake. Base of banks. Lock onto the enemy vessel. Stand by for firing orders. All hands, this is the captain. We are going into battle. All hands, battle stations. Red alert. I repeat, red alert. This is no drill. This is no drill. Don't you just love when the Enterprise goes into, you know, battle and it's red alert? The red alert sound on uh, Star Trek in and for the original Enterprise, which they kind of kind of kept in the other Star Trek series. They, they changed it a little bit. But anyway, um, it's just got one of the best sounds. I mean, if that noise doesn't get you all up and going, I don't know what does. So so they're uh, obviously chasing after the Gorn. They're they're trying to uh, engage them in battle. You know, the, the, a couple of little things I wanted to say here. One, it's kind of an interesting thing that, that Kirk in this this time, or at least in this episode, doesn't want to... I don't believe I was looking at it uh, this morning, collecting blah, no, two times today, 
I was collecting the audio for this episode, but he, he doesn't ever really try to talk to the to the alien ship. They're just like, okay, hey, you you attack this colony, and we're gonna attack you, blow you up. So that's kind of different, and you, you kind of wonder exactly why. You know, maybe they don't have one of these situations where you know Kirk's long lost brother is on the planet and he got killed or, or anything like that. It's not personal or anything. So that seems a little strange. Uh, the other thing that I thought when I was watching this, all this goes back to the earlier beginning of the episode, was how come the Enterprise didn't detect that the colony had this problem or that it had been wiped out and destroyed? I mean, a lot of people must have been dead down there. Their life form readings would have been off. Uh, it's kind of, you know, very dramatic when they first beam down to the to the colony about what had happened, but it really doesn't make any sense. They would have they would have easily been able to detect that situation from orbit. I mean, yeah, they were getting those fake transmissions, and recordings that the Gorn were sending out to lure him in there, but um, you know it's it's just kind of funny. Anyway, uh, let's go on. The aliens that intervene here, kind of like the Organians did in Errand of Mercy, a little bit, uh, are called the Metrons, and you don't really. This is the first time we meet them, and I don't believe in any of the other Star Trek series, even in the future or definitely in the original series, I don't believe we ever hear from them again. But they're this one of these typical super advanced uh, alien races out there that seems to uh, feel that it's necessary to uh, mess around in other people's affairs. Well, they may, they say something like, "We're you guys are coming into our space, and you know, stay out of here. And if you're going to come in here, well, we're going to deal with the situation." So it's interesting that the Kirk, you know, crew of the Enterprise, Kirk, and everyone in the Federation have this sort of non-interference. Uh, uh, directive with with more primitive species, but these super aliens, meh, they got no problem at all. We'll we'll mess around in your affairs. So anyway, but of course you've got to have that because that creates the dramatic conflict and problem for the show. So I'm going to play the audio now when the Metrons first talk to uh, the different the Enterprise and the Gorn ship about what they're planning to do. So listen to this, Captain James Kirk. This is Kirk. We have prepared a planet with a suitable atmosphere. You will be taken there, as will the captain of the Gorn ship, which you have been pursuing. There you will settle your dispute. I don't understand. You will be provided with a recording translating device, in hopes that a chronicle of this contest will serve to dissuade others of your kind from entering our system. But you will not be permitted to communicate with your ship. You will each be totally alone makes you think you can interfere. It is you who are interfering. We are simply putting a stop to it. The place we have prepared for you contains sufficient elements for either of you to construct weapons lethal enough to destroy the other, which seems to be your intention. The winner of the contest will be permitted to go his way unharmed. The loser, along with his ship, shall be destroyed in the interests of peace. The contest will be one of ingenuity against ingenuity, brute strength against brute strength. The results will be final. Just a there will be no discussion. It is done. So there you have it. That's uh, the contest, and the games are on. Let the games begin. Uh, Kirk versus the Gorn. Uh, the voice is interesting. The, the voice of the Metron there in the episode is by a guy named Vic Perrin. He, if you're uh, a fan of older, these older sci-fi shows like I am, 
from the outer limits, you know, the the voice of we will control the the audio, the video, the the basically the narrator at the the opening theme for the outer limits. He did that voice. It's it's very familiar. It sounds the tone and everything even that he uses for the metron voice is is much like he did for the opening to the outer limits. So there's a little uh, sidebar for you. And of, and of course, you know, the outer limits in Star Trek were really close as, as far as when they were filmed and Star Trek came just a little bit after The Outer Limits, but not much. So he was definitely active at that time doing these kind of... He had a good voice for that kind of stuff. So there you go. So then Kirk, the the Gorner, are whisked away to this... They, you know, Kirk calls it an asteroid. Um, it's not uh, really that important what, what's going on there. The, the Metrons also say that they give both the Gorn and Kirk this uh, recording device, and Kirk starts to talk into it, which is a really cool little trick they do in the episode basically it allows kirk to have some dialogue tell him what's going tell um you know the audience what's going on with him and what he's thinking about but he's not just sitting there talking to himself which would look a little bit odd but they give him this little recording translating device to uh put his logs and you know into and and talk about what he's doing which is a neat little idea and very good the the thing that Metrons didn't exactly say, though, is that these, this recording device not only is recording what you're talking about, it's also translating it and transmitting it to your opponent, which, uh, hey, maybe you should have mentioned that a little bit. Anyway, that translator, too, is very much like uh, the tube-type device that the Spock uses in the episode Metamorphosis when he creates the Universal Translator, which is now, a, a course, of course, a Star Trek, you know, symbol of, you know, this is how we talk to all these aliens. We have a universal translator that allows us to not learn their language exactly. We just talk into this little tube and it translates our voice to their to their um, language, even though it always kind of sounds like English when it comes out anyway. But the next thing related to that I'm going to play for you is a audio clip of Kirk speaking into the translator recorder device about what he's... Um, talking about uh, related to the Gorn, you know, they have this first little fight, Kirk tries all his little Kirk moves on the Gorn, and doesn't really, uh, not very effective, he he kicks him, he punches him, you know, and, and the Gorn, of course, doesn't move very fast, oh, the, the thing I wanted to say about the Gorn, the, the outfit that he's wearing is is by a, name, a guy named Wa, Wa, Wang, I want, it's W-A-H, uh, Chang, who uh, did a lot of the props and replicas for the original series. He also designed the suit for the Gorn, and it's kind of, you know, cheesy a little, and, you know, it's it looks like a guy in a rubber lizard suit, I guess, but I don't know. It really works, I think, in this show. They created, uh, if you're a follower of the, the, late, the last Star Trek series, Enterprise, they created, uh, there was an episode, and I don't know the name of the particular episode, it was one of the later seasons, maybe the fourth season, I think it was the fourth season where the Gorns uh, show up uh, on the the Enterprise. They don't really know they're Gorns; they're just like this lizard-like race. So there, there's no timeline, you know, altered there because this was really supposed to be an arena where they first meet up with the Gorns. But they created this CGI lizard-like thing for the Enterprise uh, TV show, and I don't think it really came off as well. I mean, I would have just created a, a sort of a little bit more sophisticated rubber suit for the guy. Rather than a CGI-type Gorn, it just didn't come off as well, I didn't think. But anyway, that's what they used in this episode, and, you know, this lizard's supposed to be... He, he doesn't move very fast, but he's super strong. He has a tough hide. Kirk can't really do much to him. He can't fight him, and that's what he talks about in this log entry about... 
physically he he just can't fist to fist he can't fight this Gorn so he has to use his his brain and kind of come up with a MacGyver type solution so listen to this clip I'm engaged in personal combat with a creature apparently called a Gorn he's immensely strong already he has withstood attacks from me that would have killed a human being fortunately though strong he's not agile the agility and I hope the cleverness is mine the Metrons the creatures that sent us both here said that the surface of the planet provides the raw material to construct weapons. There's very little here, scrub brush, rocks, an abundance of mineral deposits, but no weapons in the conventional sense. Still, I need to find one. Barehanded against the Gorn. I have no chance. I noticed when uh, when I was watching this again and recording the cli- clips for the show that uh, in that scene there, Kirk's got this, you see his, under his sleeve for his uniform, he's got this white-colored kind of long-sleeve undershirt on. I was kind of kind of curious or wondering when they filmed this if it was rather cold out there. It doesn't look cold, but I've been out in the desert uh, quite a few times, and it can, it can get really hot and it can get really cold depending on the time of the year and things like that the time of the day so just kind of an interesting little aside there so the the recording device again he's he's talking about what's going on he's talking about his problems with the gorn and you know he can't really fight him and he's got to come up with a different solution well of course that's that's what the main you know thing that happens in this episode and he um, starts to see that there's a lot of minerals and things around on the planet, and he's like, hmm, he's he's remembering something. And that's why I said that the MacGyver-type solution. And what Kirk, uh, Kirk comes up with is, is he remembers the formula for gunpowder. And as um, it's, it's pretty simple, actually. And he finds all the basic ingredients for that. And there's a, um, the Metrons start to allow the Enterprise to see what's going on on the planet. Uh, you know, Kirk can't really talk to them, but they're allowed to see what's going on because I think they say something like, uh, it looks like your captain's not doing so good, so we're going to let you look at what's going on and uh, prepare for uh, us blowing your ship up. So, <laughs> but Kirk, uh, or as Kirk's collecting up these materials on the planet to make his little gunpowder blow the Gorn up tube, um, you have uh, the Enterprise watching and Spock watching what he's doing, and he kind of tells the rest of the crew, hey, I know what he's doing, I can tell. So listen to this audio clip of that. What's he doing? Diamonds, the hardest known substance. Impelled by sufficient force, they would make formidable projectiles. What force? Recall your basic chemistry, Doctor. Gunpowder. Captain, let us be reasonable. You have lost. Admit it to yourself. Stop running. Now, why why does that Gorn remind me of some kind of, like, bad mafia guy or something like that? Admit it to yourself, Kirk, you know? It's like, uh... <laughs> I, I wonder with all the slithering and noises he makes in that, how much of that was actually him doing it, or was it uh, a sound effect that the guys mixing up the audio created? I don't know. But, uh, you know, he's giving him a chance there. He says, hey, Kirk, let me kill you easily and quickly, and uh, we won't prolong this anymore. You kind of think that with 
Kirk's speed and agility, you know, he could have pretty much kept this contest going forever. All he'd do is basically start going in a certain direction and run away until he could figure something out. So, um, but you have a short 50 or 48 minute episode uh, to create uh, the whole, you know, beginning and end. So they, they can't really do that. Uh, one thing I was going to say is I, I kind of, uh, I'm a chemist by, uh, you know, my education and what I do for a living. I don't know if I've talked about that much on the podcast before, but of course, in my early days of growing up, I ha- I've had a couple of different chemistry sets. And let's just say that, you know, me watching this Star Trek episode and having a chemistry set created some interesting um, situations for uh, in down in my basement and out in the backyard. And we'll leave it at that. Well, also, one last thing I'll say on that. I, I'm a big 4th of July uh, kind of guy and fan. I, I like to have the big fireworks. So uh, we'll just say uh, that, that should fill things in for you. Now back to the episode. Uh, and, of course, what happens here, I'm not going to play it because it's just sound effects and a big boom. But uh, Kirk, of course, lights up his little uh, cannon, blasts the Gorn, and gets him knocked out down on the ground enough that He's hurt a little, and he has the the upper edge on on the Gorn. He has the advantage, and he has he even picks up the Gorn's little uh, knife that he's been sharpening and polishing up to finish Kirk off, off with. But Kirk picks it up, and he's about ready to off the Gorn, and he goes. and And here's the here's the classic point of of this episode that that Star Trek is so so good at, and I think that's uh, it's key and and what what again, is what really makes me love the show so much, as much as I do, enough to do all these podcasts, watch it after, you know, it's been on the air for 40 years. It, you know, Kirk decides, no, he's not going to kill him. He, he's he's better than that. He can reason it out. He can talk to him. And he gets past his prejudice. You know, he says something in this episode about this a lizard-like creature. You know, ooh, you know, I... I I don't like you. You don't look like me, and uh, you're you're doing things. But he's heard from the Gorn. You know they were invading, or, or they felt the base on Cestus Three was invading their space. They were trying to protect themselves. So it wasn't just an invasion. It was they they had a claim to the area, and it was a misunderstanding. And Kirk understands that situation, and he now realizes he's he's he can overcome those fears and feelings. And, and reason things out and talk to the Gorn. And I think that's that's so, so important. It's why the eventually the Klingons become friends of the Federation and work with the Federation. It's why really over the years, and, and you know what, I, I would, uh, here, here I'll throw this out there, you know, they keep, there's been some rumors and talk about uh, Star Trek coming back sometime for a new series, maybe in a few years or a movie or so on. Here's my take on it. I think they should set it, a, or, or one idea at least, I, I have several, um, set it like 100 years past the time of Next Generation, Voyager, and all those shows, and have, have the Borg, you know, pre- basically their their worst enemy, worst nightmare, have them basically now working with um, the the Federation and working with Starfleet and, and maybe even a few other alien uh, enemies that they've met a few years because that's what it's all about. It's about progress. It's about uh, making strides and, and forming new you know, friendships and reaching out to new civilizations. And I'm getting a little sappy right now, but that's that's what the show's about. It, it's about hope for the future. So with that, I am going to play the last clip that I have for you, which is the the classic uh, discussion and conversation of Kirk with the Metron at the end of this episode. So listen to this, 
Then uh, I'll come back with a quick wrap-up, and we'll go on to the collectibles. So listen to this with uh, Kirk talking to the uh, rather uh, skinny little Metron guy. So listen to this. No, I won't kill you. Maybe you thought you were protecting yourself when you attacked the outpost. No, I won't kill him. Do you hear? You'll have to get your entertainment someplace else. You're a Metron? Does my appearance surprise you, Captain? You seem more like a boy. I am approximately 1,500 of your Earth years old. You surprise me, Captain. How? By sparing your helpless enemy, who surely would have destroyed you. You demonstrated the advanced trait of mercy. Something we hardly expected. We feel that there may be hope for your kind. Therefore, you will not be destroyed. It would not be... civilized. What happened to the Gorn? I sent him back to his ship. If you like, I shall destroy him for you. No, that won't be necessary. We can talk. Maybe reach an agreement. Very good, Captain. There is hope for you. Perhaps in several thousand years, your people and mine shall meet to reach an agreement. You are still half-savage, but there is hope. We will contact you when we are ready. Okay, so there you have it. Arena, the episode from the first season, or one of the episodes from the first season of the original Star Trek series. Great, great tale. Um, Really, uh, really enjoy this show. Actually, I think this is one of my brother's uh, favorite episodes of the original series, So, because we both grew up on it and watched it together and really, really like this one a lot. I think there's a lot here that people could learn even today about uh, prejudice and you know, getting past what they think uh, of the other guys out there and other people. So without uh, any further ado, I'm going to take a quick little break. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed that discussion and talk about that episode. And we'll come back and talk about a few collectibles and a few other little things. So stay tuned. I'm going to play a little promo that somebody was kind enough to make. Uh, this is for the uh, very good uh, podcast out there called Pod Culture. So listen to their promo uh, slash um, discussion about uh, what they do and i will be right back i'm brad i'm glenn and i'm christina and we're from the pod culture podcast and 
podculture.net. Right now you're listening to the Treks and Sci-Fi. When you're done here and you find yourself hungry for some more geeky goodness, head on over and check us out at podculture.net and at our forums located at bluegrassbrowncoats.net. From A-plus shows to great Z movies and everything else in between, like comics and video games, we'll be rambling on about whatever happens to be going on in our geek worlds. With segments like What's in Your DVD Player, Brad's Rants, and Geek Cuisine, along with the occasional special musical guests, there's something for the geek in us all. So let your geek flag fly and head on out to our little corner of the verse. www.podculture.net Podculture. Equal opportunity geekness. Be seeing you. Well, thanks a lot for that uh, nice promo uh, from everyone over at Pod Culture. I've listened to their podcasts and I really like them. They talk a lot about uh, DVDs, movies, uh, what they're watching currently. These guys uh, are really, uh, really big fans of a lot of uh, geeky type TV shows, the things that like I enjoy, especially uh, Buffy, Smallville. A lot of current shows that they're talking about. So check them out, Pod, pod Culture. Um, I thought I had a couple different ideas for what collectibles I wanted to look at for this week. Looking around, um, excuse me, looking around the uh, basement and, and all my different stuff that I've got stashed away. I thought what I would go back and, and do is, is talk a little bit about some things that came out a while ago. The current uh, Star Trek license holder for making uh, toy type stuff. Art Asylum, I think, is the current one that, that are making some really nice phaser replicas. These ones are only like $20, and they light up, and they have different effects. I've talked about that on a, on a couple of shows. I think just even recently, a couple of podcasts back, a few of I talked about the um, Art Asylum pieces. They have a white handled and a black handled phaser. But what I the older license holder for these items was called, the company was called Playmates, and they did uh, some prop replicas, mostly in the 90s, 1990s, for the original series and both uh, TNG and TOS. What I wanted to talk about specifically for this week from, from their releases, there's two of their items. They did a, uh, a phaser replica, as seen in the original series, and a tricorder replica. Now, unlike the Art Asylum pieces, the items that Playmates did... They're not quite as sophisticated. I'm holding the uh, phaser replica that they made. This came out, like I said, in the 1990s. And it does make a sound when you uh, push the trigger. It lights up. But that's about all it does. It doesn't have a, uh, a nice little small phaser that comes out of the other top part. The phaser 1 doesn't come out of the phaser 2. It's it's about full scale approximately to the original one, but not quite as accurate as, of course, the Art Asylum piece. But it's not bad. It, it's really not a bad little replica. And again, I'll put some photos of this in, in the notes for the week and in the collection on the website. You'll be able to see them. But the uh, the other one, the tricorder, is, is not even quite as good. It's, it's smaller scale. Uh, the, this is an original series version of the tricorder. I'd say maybe it's roughly, I was going to say half scale to the real tricorder uh, scale. But it's probably more than that, maybe like 60%, somewhere around there. I don't know. It's, it's difficult. I don't have a ruler right here to compare the two, but it's quite a bit smaller than, than a one-to-one scale tricorder replica would be. It doesn't do much. It's it's plastic construction, not not nearly as nice as, as both the um, recent ones that they've made by Master Replicas. Nothing, nothing like that at all, but uh, it's a cool little piece, and I'll, again, I'll put some photos of that up onto the uh, 
podcast notes and in the collection section. I'm uh, just uh, also now I'm opening up the uh, tricorder, the Playmates tricorder. It does have some light up uh, screen effects and some sounds. It makes a uh, classic tricorder sound. A couple of different ones. Little LED lights light up on it. So it's uh, it's except for the scale, it's got some nice lights and sound effects, which I had kind of forgotten about. It's been tucked away in a in a shelf unit for quite a while, and I'm just digging it out and dusting it off. So, so there you've got two uh, two items from about the mid '90s made by Playmates: the Phaser replica from TOS and the Tricorder replica. Hey, push the button again. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> anyway, the um, that's uh. Playmates, uh, they did they did a lot of action figures, of course, of Star Trek characters over the years, both in the small scale, about three to three to four inch scale, and in the larger uh, twelve inch twelve inch line, which they did a lot of really good good figures. Most of mine, I've I've got quite a few of them, but I've got a lot of those packed away right now, up in my garage, unfortunately, so I won't be able to photograph those for this week. And but maybe I'll get some down sometime and, and do that for another show. Again, I can st- I can still remember, you know, I I made a lot of this stuff when I was growing up because nothing was available. You couldn't. They had a very uh, small scale, what they called exploration set. One of the first things I remember uh, getting from Star Trek were some of the models that I used to work on, and the exploration set was a phaser, tricorder, and communicator, the classic landing party gear. But it was such small scale, even for kids, it was it was probably roughly half scale to what it should be. Maybe not quite that. The, the communicator, I remember, was very small. The phaser wasn't quite as bad, and the tricorder was pretty small also, about the size of the Playmates one. But that was all you could find, and I made a lot of uh, full-size, uh, one-to-one scale ones on my own out of plastic and paper. And, you know, maybe I'll talk about those and, and give you some photos. I've still got some of them uh, tucked away, and, and I could talk about those on a future show. And but uh, there wasn't much back then. So when Playmates started to do the license and now Art Asylum, it was kind of heaven for people that collect this kind of stuff. I mean, now there's just so much available. Merchandising is crazy. And I've talked about this a couple times in the past. It's almost overboard and too much. I think Star Wars currently even more than, than, than Star Trek. Well, Star Trek has kind of faded away a little bit just because there isn't any current show on the air or movie. But Star Wars, even with the movies all finished, is still supposed to continue in in terms of uh, TV. A hundred, uh, I think, a hundred episode series is coming, a live action one in a year or two, along with uh, some more animated stuff. So that that'll continue with merchandising for quite a while, I think. And Star Trek, I'm sure, will come back. There are still some things available. Art Asylum, if you go to, I think it's New Force Comics, uh, a couple other places you can buy and pre-order these things, but they don't produce nearly as much anymore. So. So that's about that. I'm going to take a little, one more little break here and then come back and wrap up the show. I want to be there when General Douglas MacArthur raises the American flag of a Corregidor again and then hauls it down and with his own hand raises the flag of the Republic of the Philippines, symbol of a nation which has won its right to life by learning how to suffer and how to die. I want to be with Generalissimo Shang Kai-shek when he marches once again into Nanking. And I want to see Jonathan Wainwright and Joe Smith and Arthur Wormuth and some Filipino scouts and Vandegrift and his Marines ride down the main streets of Tokyo and with Admiral Halsey and his sailors drive in tanks and armored cars across the moat and enter the Imperial Palace while American airplanes fly overhead 
and clouds so thick that they blot out the rising sun. If you want to hear more of this, join me at the World at War podcast at worldatwar.lipson.com. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, thanks for that promo. That's from my friend Dave uh, Dave Chatterson. He's written me a few times. He does a podcast about uh, that. It's called obviously they're called the World at War podcast, uh, and he gave you the URL there. So check out. I'll link that up uh, in the show notes also, along with the pod culture promo that I played earlier. Both of those will be linked in the podcast notes. And thanks for the promos, gang. That's going to just about do it for this week, I think. Uh, again, I'm, I'm really curious what you guys think about the enhancements and changes to the main webpage at treksf.com or just treksinsci-fi.com. Both will get you to the main page with the cool little animated characters from SitePal. Uh, let me know what you think about those. The, the situation with that is you can set them up a few different ways you can have them replay each time you load the page replay when you come back in a new session what you know when you reload like your browser firefox or internet explorer um bring that up but i also i'm using front page microsoft front page to create the buttons and link buttons for uh the different sections and i'd like to know i think you need to have java installed to make some of these things show up properly and i'd like to know if anyone's having any issues with seeing that stuff I may go back to normal linking or some other HTML-type format for that, uh, but I haven't really decided yet. I'd like to get into Dreamweaver, uh, that software program to create web pages, but I just haven't had time to dig into it. I've, I've played around with it just a tiny bit in the past. It's a lot more complex than front page. There's a lot of great things you can do with it, but it isn't something you can just pick up and, and start making web pages like that are super slick right away. It'll take take several hours of getting into it and learning the different features so so that's about that i will definitely be doing a a wednesday evening show this week i think and uh, next weekend next weekend show is going to be a little different i'm going to do a a podcast next sunday for the weekend show about the tv series farscape which i think i've said a few times and talked about before but this show lasted about four years and it was a huge huge favorite of mine it used to be on friday nights on sci-fi sci-fi channel before uh battlestar and and that was there in stargate atlantis stargate was still on but but farscape really really i i just really enjoyed the show the characters some people like it some people don't but i'm going to try to do a show next weekend and give you guys a new perspective maybe for those that are kind of on the fence the dvds are all out there now so i think it's a good time to revisit farscape uh one of my favorite tv series of the past you know five to ten year frame uh, time frames. So we'll be looking at Farscape, the different characters, a little bit on the episodes and that on next weekend's show. So if you've got, uh, if you're a fan of the show, want to send me some audio to include in next week's podcast, please, please do so. TrekSF at gmail.com or you can call the voicemail line 206-88-TREKS. And that will do it for this week. This is Rico saying bye for now. Enjoy the weekend holiday if you're having a holiday or if it's just another Sunday, enjoy the day. And I will talk to you Wednesday evening and next weekend. So bye-bye for now. Talk to you later, gang. This has been a Rick Dosti production. This podcast, copyright 2006, all rights reserved.